The following podcast is sponsored by the new Hood College Gear Shop. The Gear Shop replaces the old Hood College bookstore. Most of us remember the bookstore as just the place where we bought or rented books. Well, that's not the case anymore. The Hood College Gear Shop is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood branded merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweaters and socks, mugs and cups. They even have Hood branded blankets. Low on shampoo or soap? They have you covered. Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tacs. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The Gear Shop has tons. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a Hood College leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The Gear Shop has your back. Need a last-minute birthday gift for your best friend? You'll have plenty of options. What I'm saying is, the Hood College Gear Shop has you covered for all your gift, school, snack, and blazer-branded clothing needs. So next time you're in wit, stop in and browse around. Mention my name, Chris Nally, and the name of this podcast, All About the Action, and receive 10% off your purchase of any Hood-branded merch. But listen to the show first. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of All About That Action. I'm your host, Chris Nally. A lot has changed since we last talked, as the MLB season has come to a close and the Texas Rangers have won the World Series. We'll get into that later and have a more detailed recap of all of the scores in the last games that we did not touch on previously in a little bit. We'll also go over a recap of Week 9 scores from around the NFL. There was a lot of great games this week, so I'll make sure to go over all of those and give you all of my opinions on those games as well. In addition to both of these, we'll have the weekly Chris's Picks where I'll go over a detailed analysis of sports gambling picks that I like and the reasons behind them as to why I think they will be profitable and will hit. And last but not least, we'll go over some new IPA beers that I have been drinking in these last weeks. We'll talk about all the different elements, ABV, IBU, those kinds of things. Without further ado, let's get right into it with a detailed recap and summary of some of the games from around the NFL this past Sunday. Alright, jumping into some scores from around the NFL. The first game of Week 9 was the Steelers versus the Tennessee Titans. The Steelers came out on top 20-16 as Kenny Pickett threw for 160 yards and one touchdown. The most interesting story of this game, though, is rookie quarterback Will Levis. Will Levis continues to impress... Although he did not have a great game compared to his first game in the NFL, he was still much more consistent and reliable overall than Ryan Tannehill. He will most likely become the Titans' full-time starting quarterback and could potentially be their starting quarterback for many years to come. This could be a really advantageous move for the Tennessee Titans as they were pretty harshly criticized for taking Levis in the second round when he slid from the first round. But with how he's been able to play and play consistently in his first two weeks in the NFL, the move could really be paying dividends for the Titans overall. All right, football fans, it was one of your favorite days on Sunday as the Dolphins and the Chiefs played at 9.30 a.m. in Frankfurt, Germany. That's pretty cool. I think it's really nice that they're trying to expand the NFL market to some international markets where soccer is definitely bigger, but I don't think there's any chance that the NFL can take over in Germany. The Chiefs beat the Dolphins 21-14 as the Chiefs scored three times in the first half to go up 21 to nothing. I still don't know about this Chiefs offense. They really let their foot off the gas in the second half and let the Dolphins creep back into this game. Patrick Mahomes threw for 185 yards and two touchdowns. A little bit lackluster, but nothing too crazy. Tua Tungavailoa did not play his best game as well as he threw for 193 yards and one touchdown. 
The Dolphins really need to figure it out if they're going to become one of the great teams in the NFL. They're too hit or miss and too spotty. 14 points against the Chiefs is not going to cut it. Alrighty, let's move on to the 1 o'clock games. First 1 o'clock game I want to talk about is the Commanders versus the Patriots. This was not the kind of game you'd expect between two coaches who have such a great resume as Bill Belichick and Ron Rivera. The Commanders came out on top 20-17 to as Mac Jones and the Patriots continue to not look good. I was really expecting them to get off on the right track against my favorite team, but hey, they played bad, and my team got a win, so it's a win-win. Sam Howell threw for 325 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. The interception was awful. The interception was one of the worst reads that I could possibly imagine. He spread the ball around well, though, and besides that pick, played pretty well. I don't think Mac Jones is the answer in New England by any means. He really struggled moving the ball downfield and getting the New England offense going when it mattered. With all this being said, though, I still believe Ron Rivera needs to be out of Washington by the end of this year. I think this will be his last year. I think the new ownership will move on from him, and they'll bring in a new coach with new ideas and a better resume. More shockingly, I believe that this will be Bill. This will be Bill Belichick's last year in New England as well. The Patriot way will go down with him, and they'll probably bring in some new coach such as Mike Vrabel from the Tennessee Titans, who has a lot of experience as an NFL coach and played under Belichick as a player before he became a coach. Oh boy, oh boy, we got two blowouts on our hand next. The Ravens beat the Seahawks 37-3. to Yeah, you heard me right. The Seahawks offense only put up three points, However, the Ravens' defense is one of the best in the NFL. Lamar Jackson played incredibly lackluster, though, only throwing 187 yards. I'm actually shocked, considering by how much they won, that Lamar only had 187 passing yards. However, the bulk of their touchdowns came from rushing plays. Gus Edwards had two, and Justin Tucker kicked, I believe, four field goals, five field goals, Overall, very impressive day from Ravens offense and defense. The Seahawks kind of seem stunted though, as Geno Smith only threw for 157 yards in an interception, and the running back, Kenneth Walker III from the Seattle Seahawks, only had 17 rushing yards. Crazy stat from a pretty good running back. Next game on the slate was the Cardinals versus the Browns. The Browns bested the Cardinals 27 to nothing, as the Cardinals may have regretted trading Josh Dobbs to the Vikings. We'll get into that game a little bit later. However, on this game, Quarterback Clayton Toon went 11 for 20 with 58 passing yards. That's pretty atrocious. He also had two interceptions. He was also the team's leading rusher with 28 yards. Doesn't seem like the Cardinals were able to get much going on offense considering they did not score and their quarterback was their leading rusher. However, the Browns put up 27 points as Deshaun Watson threw for two touchdowns and Amari Cooper had five receptions for 139 yards and one touchdown. Looks like a pretty great day overall from the Browns offense as the Cardinals really struggled to get anything going overall. I don't necessarily have much of an opinion on this one. The Browns are kind of a middle-of-the-road team, and the Cardinals really aren't a very good team. They'll probably end up with the first or second pick in the NFL draft this year and be able to build on this for the future. If I had told you at the beginning of this year that one of the best games would come from the Houston Texans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with... Baker Mayfield and C.J. Stroud playing quarterback, I would be shocked. However, this was the case. The Texans beat the Buccaneers 39-37 to as C.J. Stroud and Baker Mayfield combined for over 600 passing yards. Oh, I'm sorry. They combined for over 700 passing yards and 7 touchdowns. That is a ridiculous stat. This was an absolute shootout. I need to silence myself on both hating Baker Mayfield and C.J. Stroud. They continue to prove me wrong. They look to be very competent NFL quarterbacks as C.J. Stroud has broken the narrative that Ohio State quarterbacks cannot make it in the NFL 
and Baker Mayfield seems to have shaken the fact that he's a pretty average quarterback. The next game on the slate for the week was the Saints and the Bears. The Saints bested the Bears 24-17 as Derek Carr threw for 200 yards and two touchdowns. The rookie Tyson Badgett threw for 220, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. Not his best game. I made a comment last week about the fact that Tyson Badgett may be the answer for the Bears long-term over Justin Fields. I may have to rescind that statement as this game really proves that he may be pretty hit or miss overall. Justin Fields is a superior athlete, and I know I said this last week. He is one of the best athletes in the NFL, but he could really learn some things from Tyson Badgett about just passing the ball and not trying to create big plays all the time. However, Badgett did not look good this week and may have swayed my opinion back towards Justin Fields. I'm kind of like a seesaw, one way and another, one way and another, but only time will tell and we'll be able to see what the long-term decisions of the Chicago Bears are. Next game on the list is the Minnesota Vikings versus the Atlanta Falcons. The Vikings beat the Falcons 31-28 as Josh Dobbs, who just got traded to Minnesota as I referenced earlier, threw for 158 yards and two touchdowns to lead the Vikings to a late win over the Falcons. One of my favorite players ever, Taylor Heineke, started at quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons in this game. He played pretty well, throwing for 268 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. However, the Vikings were able to come out on top from a late touchdown pass from Dobbs. Pretty crazy that they acquired him this week from the Cardinals during the trade deadline, and then he leads them to victory later this week on a short playbook on short notice. The Packers laid a pretty hefty beatdown on the Rams this week, beating them 20-3. Matthew Stafford was out with an injury, and the backup was Brett Ripon. Ripon threw for 130 yards in an interception, which really isn't going to cut it in an NFL game. Jordan Love played a pretty good game, throwing for 230 yards and a touchdown to lead the Packers to victory. Same kind of deal. I don't have a whole lot of opinions on this game. Nothing too crazy, just two middle-of-the-road teams duking it out in the middle of the season. Next game on the slate was the Colts versus the Panthers. The Colts beat the Panthers 27-13 as rookie Bryce Young really struggled in this one. I thought this might be a game that the Panthers could win as the Colts are not a great team in playing with a backup quarterback. However, Bryce Young threw three interceptions. It's hard to win in the NFL when you throw three interceptions in a game. At one point, the Panthers were down 20-3 and it looks like they slowly chipped away late to make it more of a game. However, it was never really a game as most of their touchdowns were scored in garbage time. But when looking at the box score, you can see that the Colts pretty much dominated this one from start to finish. Rookie Bryce Young really needs to figure it out, or possibly they need to get a better head coach. He's had a really lackluster season, and I think every game this year he's thrown for under 250 yards. Not necessarily what you want out of the first overall pick in the NFL draft. The Raiders whopped the Giants 30-6, to as the first game without Josh McDaniels seemed to go pretty well for the Raiders organization. A lot of changes took place for them this week as they fired their head coach, the GM, and benched their starting quarterback. The rookie quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, played pretty well this week, however, throwing for 209 yards and taking care of the ball when it really mattered. Josh Jacobs was the story for the Raiders as he ran for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Whoever had him on their fantasy team this week should be very happy. The Raiders have a chance to turn their year around as they're only 4-5 and five after 9 weeks. They could potentially bid for a wild card spot if they're able to push all the right buttons at the right time. Firing Josh McDaniels and benching Jimmy Garoppolo in the same week may have been the right move for the Raiders as they haven't scored 30 points all year and scored their most points in the entire season in the first half of this game. Wrapping up the games on the 4 o'clock slate, this next game was the game of the week. The Cowboys took on the Eagles in Philadelphia, and the Eagles came out on top 
28-23. The Cowboys had some really costly mistakes when it mattered as Dak Prescott stepped out on a two-point conversion that would have made it a three-point game. Later on in the game, the Cowboys were able to drive deep into the Eagles' territory, and if they had converted this two-point conversion, they would have most likely been able to kick a field goal and send the game to overtime. However, due to the fact that Prescott stepped out of bounds, they were forced to try to go for a touchdown and came up literally two yards short. They completed a pass on the two-yard line where CeeDee Lamb was tackled trying to make his way into the end zone. Little mistakes like this set apart the great teams like the Philadelphia Eagles, although they constantly get bailed out by the refs, and mediocre teams like the Dallas Cowboys who really struggle to find their foothold sometimes in the NFL. I think the Cowboys are a little bit of frauds. They can never seem to put it together when it matters and can never really beat good teams in the big games. Hopefully for them, they can maybe push the right buttons when the playoffs come around and win a couple games and make it to the Super Bowl. But I think most people would be pretty shocked if they reached that point. And finally, the Bengals beat the Bills on Sunday Night Football 24-18. to Joe Burrow and Josh Allen went head-to-head, and Joe Burrow played amazing. He threw for 350 yards and two touchdowns, while Josh Allen and the Bills continue to struggle. I think most people are pretty shocked at how average they've been this year. Josh Allen really has struggled to get anything going. Overall, he threw for 258 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. The Bills are one of the most controversial teams in the NFL, not because they do anything bad or like sneaky or under the radar, just because they're every year they're picked to be Super Bowl favorites. Josh Allen is picked to win the MVP. Stephon Diggs could probably be the Offensive Player of the Year every year. But somehow, they find a way to lose games when they matter, especially against big-name teams. So, moving forward, the Bills need to figure some stuff out in order to cement themselves as one of the better teams in the NFL and not have people question their ability to do it when it really matters. The Monday night game is the Chargers versus the Jets. The Chargers are three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Jets, and somehow the New York Jets have a better record than the Los Angeles Chargers. The Los Angeles Chargers actually have been playing pretty good this year, just have got some bad luck at bad times, and the Jets have got some really good luck at good times. But hey, I guess that's what happens in the NFL every now and then. I'm assuming we'll see the Chargers come out on top of the Jets, but I could be completely wrong there. Alright, that wraps up a recap of scores and reactions from around the NFL for this week. Let's hop into some reactions from the final games of the World Series and go over those and my thoughts. The Texas Rangers were an absolute force to be reckoned with this year. They had one of the best postseasons in the entire league. They dominated series after series. They beat up on the Rays. Then they beat up on the Orioles, who had the best record in the American League. They then moved on to the Astros, who are one of the most consistent organizations in all of baseball. They took that series to seven games and beat them, and taking a series to seven games against the Houston Astros is no small feat. The Astros are such a consistent team. They play so well in the playoffs every year. They understand the importance of playing hard and playing well when the bright lights come on. The Rangers just blew them away and stuck it to the Astros like nobody had really done before in the postseason. I wouldn't really call this a case of getting hot when it matters, but maybe it is a little bit. The Rangers just hit and hit and hit and hit all postseason long. They hit with runners in scoring position. They hit solo home runs. They hit sack flies. They made teams pay when they got runners on base. 
They played great baseball, they played good defense, and they played well when it really mattered against some of the best teams in the American League. On the flip side of this, I think the Arizona Diamondbacks are much more a case of playing your best baseball when it really matters and getting hot when it really counts. They beat the Brewers 2-0 in the series. They swept the Dodgers team, who was one of the best teams in the National Leagues. And finally, they won two games in the hardest park to win at when it really matters in Philadelphia. Beating the Phillies in game six and seven of the postseason was ridiculous. I was shocked. The national news media was shocked. Everyone was shocked, except for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think this was a great building block for the Arizona Diamondbacks as a team. They were able to put some big pieces together when it really mattered, win some big games with an incredibly young team. I think they will be a great team for many years in Major League Baseball and will continue to show some prowess and hopefully compete for championships for years to come. All right, in game four of the World Series, the Rangers bested the Diamondbacks 11 to seven. Now, this game seems pretty close, but however, at one point it was 10 to nothing. The Rangers came out swinging, mashing balls left and right, making the Diamondbacks pay for every pitch they left over the plate. Home run after home run, they just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. However, the Diamondbacks made it a game late with scoring seven runs between the 8th and the ninth inning to give the Diamondbacks a chance late. However, they came up just a little bit short, and at the end of this game, the Rangers took a series lead 3-1. to one. Same kind of deal in this game, but exactly the opposite. The Rangers won the final game of this series 5 to nothing. But the real storyline of this game was the pitching. Nathan Evaldi threw six shutout innings for the Texas Rangers, which was just masterful work. On the other side of this, Zach Gallen threw six and a third innings of one-run ball, with the one run coming in the top of the seventh inning after he'd recorded one out already. Such a heartbreaking day for the Arizona Diamondbacks as they played a phenomenal game. Just nothing seemed to go their way the last two games of the year, with the Rangers scoring in the seventh and in the ninth to cement their lead and ultimately take home the World Series title. But overall, congrats to them. They had a great year and deserved it. They played their best baseball when it counted, especially after most people thought they would miss the playoffs late in the year after they fell out of the division lead to the Houston Astros. Alrighty, that wraps up the recap of the last two games of the World Series. Let's move on to Chris's picks in one moment. Alright, and we are back and better than ever with another segment of Chris's picks. Alright, my first pick of the week is going to be the Tennessee Titans at minus 105 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers just came off one of their best games of the year, so most people think this is probably going to be another good game for them. Right? Wrong. The Titans have been playing some of their best football of the year as well. I don't believe the Buccaneers have another crazy game like they did last week. I think their offense regresses a little bit. I think Will Levis continues to shine. He's played very well so far for the Titans this year. I think the Titans at minus 105 is a pretty great value pick overall. My next pick of the week is going to be the Atlanta Falcons at minus 120 against the Arizona Cardinals. This could come back to bite me in the bucks. I'm not sure if Kyler Murray is going to play for the Cardinals this week. However, if Kyler Murray does not play, I love the Falcons at minus 120. Taylor Heineke is now the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, and that man just finds ways to win football games. 
I believe when he was with the Commanders, there were not very many games that they were favored in, and they won a ton of them. Heineke has a knack for winning, and the Falcons have a very good team with a lot of great weapons on offense. They just can't ever seem to get it to click when it really matters. I think them at 120 against the Cardinals is a very interesting play. And last but not least, my third pick of the week is the New York Jets over the Las Vegas Raiders. The Jets are at minus 118 against the Raiders, who are at home. I think the Raiders are not a very good football team, although they just did smack the Giants this week. I think they regress. I think Zach Wilson plays a little bit better than he did against the Chargers. I think the Jets are able to squeak one out and remain about 500 for the remainder of the year. All right, let's move into our IPA tasting review. Alrighty, we're going to go over some IPA beers now. The first beer of the week is Hazy Little Thing by Sierra Nevada Brewing. I really enjoyed this one. This was one of my favorite ones that I've tried out since I've been doing this. It comes in at 6.7 ABV and has a 35 IBU. It has a lot of good taste. It's not too heavy. It's not going to make you catch a buzz too quickly. You can sip on them nice and slowly. A lot of great flavor coming from this one. All right, moving on. The next one on the list is Lagunitas Little Something Something. I like that name. It's kind of funny. But done by Lagunitas Brewing Company and has a 7.5 ABV and a 52 IBU. I like this one as well for the same kind of deal. I've sipped on it before, had one or two, nothing too crazy. Super nice, flavorful. It's a little bit more bitter than the other beers on this list, but I liked it. Kind of change it up a little bit. Alrighty, last but not least, definitely not least, we have Perpetual from Trugs Brewing Company. Trugs is a phenomenal brewing company. They put out a lot of great stuff, and Perpetual is one of my favorite IPAs on the market right now. It's available year-round. It has a 7.5 ABV. There's no IBU listed on it. But oh my goodness, when I tell you this is a good beer, this is a good beer. It has a ton of citrus, little notes of pine, all whole different flavors. You get the whole nine yards with it. It is great. I love it. It's what I've been drinking recently, and I am not going to stop drinking it anytime soon. All right, that just about wraps us up for this episode of All About That Action. Week 9 was a wild one. A lot of great games around the NFL. A lot of crazy things, a lot of lead changes, a lot of people moving up and down in divisions, a lot of people changing the overall outcome of how the season may look for them weeks down the road. The MLB is now officially over. How crazy is that? No more baseball until spring training. Hopefully, we can find something else to talk about. But if not, oh well. Alright, I just want to give a big thank you to everybody at HCB Studios for supporting this podcast and publishing it. Until next time, I'm your host, Chris Nally.